we are live. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another Educator Innovator Hangout on air. I'm one of your hosts for this hangout, Janelle Bentz, an English 1 facilitator in a blended humanities class at North uh, New Tech High at Coppell. It's a PBL school in North Central Texas. I'm a teacher leader from North Star of Texas Writing Project, and I'm currently serving on the NWP board. Today is March 8, 2016, and my colleague Chris Sloan and I are so excited to be here with a group of students and teachers talking about ways to foster the development and discussion of diverse political views both in and outside of the classroom. This discussion will serve to frame a series of media makes featured at Educator Innovator over the coming months. These hands-on hangouts are part of NWP and KQED's Letters to the Next President 2.0 project, which engages and connects young people aged 13 through 18 as they research, write, and make media to voice their opinions on issues that matter to them in the coming election. Just a few more things before we get started. For those of you watching this Hangout Live, we encourage you to post thoughts, ideas, questions via the Q&A feature embedded in the video player, or you can tweet questions and following along using the hashtag, hashtag to next prez. We'll be live tweeting this conversation at Innovates Ed. Okay, let's begin with brief introductions from everyone. Chris, do you want to start us off? Well, thank you, Janelle. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's really nice to be here because, uh, you know, we get to talk to students, and then we have these amazing teachers on here, too. All of us, uh, um, you know, are big fans of each other, I think. The, the, everybody does such good work. I mean... Uh, and and the, the the things we're going to talk about are really important. Uh, no one needs to um, be reminded of how important it is in our society to have informed voters. And I think um, I, I predict that these students are going to show us that we uh, really have some amazing thinkers out there, and the future looks good. But my name is Chris Sloan. I teach high school English and media at Judge Memorial in Salt Lake City. And I have two students with me today, Anna and Foster, and they'll introduce themselves in a little bit. But why don't we continue with the teachers and Annalise, and then we'll move to our students. So, uh, Dawn? Hi, everyone. I'm Dawn Reed. I teach high school English in Okemos, Michigan, and I'm a Red Cedar Writing Project teacher consultant. And I'm excited to be here to talk with students. You know, the introduction that Janelle and Chris was fantastic. One of my students said to me today, I'm not always sure that people believe that young people, people like her, she's a freshman who's 14, are ready to participate in the conversation. And she turned to me and she said, but we are. And so I'm excited to hear what our students have to say here today and join this conversation. Thank you. Hi, I'm Paul Allison, and I teach middle school and high school students at New Direction Secondary School and involved with the New York City Writing Project and Youth Voices, and um, glad to be here. Annalise? Annalise, uh, we're not getting sound.
While we're waiting, Chris, do you want um, your learners to introduce themselves? Sure. I'll let them take it away. Thanks. How about the students from uh, Mrs. Bent's class? Amelia? Um, so my um, students so are having issues with audio. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to have them just come over here. Um, can everyone hear me? Yes. Um, hi, my name is Veda Vel Murray. Um, I'm a rookie or a freshman at New Tech High School at Coppell. Um, uh, and, yeah. All right, Ryan. Annalise, do you want to try? <laughs> oh. Hi, hello. I was asked to freestyle. I don't know what that means. <laughs> well, let's just go ahead with the people that we can hear as people are sorting yeah. out their um, technical issues. You can um, hear me very right? quickly. Yeah, yeah, we can hear you great. Hi, Jim. Um, <laughs> hi. <laughs> um, I guess Try to do it, it was interesting what Don um, said about um, young people and other people doubting um, whether or not young people are ready to engage in such discussions. Um, really quickly, at your age, to the high school um, students, really quickly, at your age, what does discussing politics and being political, politically active look like? Um, I'm going to jump in and answer. Um, I think that at our age, um, since we would be not this voting season, but 
maybe the next voting season we would we could be uh, able to vote. I think that our opinions really do matter because our generation is one of our our generation is so known for being so social on social media. Um, uh, we have we have a lot of power in our hands through social media, and we can we can make an impact if we say the correct things and enough people respond. And I think that getting politically active is not just beneficial to us um, by knowing what politicians, um, what, what their thoughts are, but also for other people as well, knowing that um, our generation is thinking about uh, politicians, thinking about um, the future for our society. Um, so yeah, that's what I think. Uh, that's it's important for uh, young people to be politically active. No, we can't hear you. Um, anybody else? Can you hear me now, Janelle? Yes, we can. Great. Yes, yes, Annalise, go ahead and introduce yourself quickly. Yay. <laughs> ah, nothing like a live hangout to get the cortisol levels up. <laughs> um, my name's Annalise Wonderlich, and I'm the Youth Participation Manager at KQED. We are the public media station in Northern California, and we're also uh, co-hosting Letters to the Next President, along with National Writing Project, and really hoping to mobilize youth voices in a big way for this election cycle. And I feel really passionate about the opportunity for young people to step up and um, really have their voices heard, particularly in this election. I feel like it's really crucial to hear from young people when there's so much at stake. Um, so I'm excited to hear from all the learners on today's call about their reflections on what that means. Can we try to do another introduction of my students? Okay, go ahead. Okay, so hi everybody. My name is Anna Naranjo and I'm here with my classmate. Uh, I'm Foster Denon. I'm a junior and uh, very excited to be a part of this. Yeah, And I'm a senior, so I will be voting this coming election. That's okay. I'll, I'll answer the question while we're here. Okay. Awesome. Um, so for me, discussing politics is almost every day since I am taking the senior classes of AP U.S. Government and AP Comparative Politics. So this is something that's really relevant in my life every day. Um, and for me, being politically active is just taking a part of the discussion, um, knowing the answers to a few, like how our government works, how it's structured, what you can do as a citizen here in the United States to be a part of the whole system. Um, and yeah, I try to do that, be a part of that. Um, I try and actually, I've made a commitment to start following more in-depth on what's been happening politically by watching the Republican and Democratic debates. And uh, I won't be able to vote because the way my birthday and age is, I'll have to wait. So. Um, but I'm trying to talk to some of my friends and other people that I know that will be voting and try and get their opinions and, uh, yeah, look forward to when I can vote again. Wonderful. Amelia, Ryan, do you have anything to add to the discussion?
No, you can come over here. Oh, it's the same. What does politically active look like to you? For you? No. There. Uh, what about now? Yes. Oh, here it is. I'm sorry. Um, okay, so being politically active as a youth means, uh, uh, like Foster said, following the Republican and Democratic debates, hearing what different politicians have to say, because honestly, some of those politicians may be vying for re-elections uh, whenever we're trying or whenever we're allowed to vote or something like that. So really, and honestly, the laws that the politicians pass, whether it be the president or anything, really will affect us as we grow older and as we live in uh, this new society of being more affected by politics. So I think being politically active is super important and you, you can do it in a lot of different ways. Awesome, thanks. Um, for the educators, facilitators out there, um, what types of activities have you done to kind of foster this um, political engagement and the civic engagement in your classroom? Especially for those kids who might be a little younger or who may not be able to vote yet, how um, do you give them access and how do you get them feel um, empowered and interested in such discussions? Well, Paul and I have just recently had some Youth Voices Live conversations across our schools in which our students are talking about the election in terms of how big questions about how do, what do you look for in a candidate and that has been interesting and students are excited to talk about it and they've also been reading a, a lot and starting their own reflections and exploring what they're curious about in terms of the issues. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, I mean, if, if I could, the question that, that I come to this with is, like, I, I think it's undeniable if you look at the statistics that there's a disconnect, and, and if I talk to my kids, there's a disconnect between politics and, like, the elections and what young people are interested in. And my question is, is the disconnect because the politicians aren't speaking to the issues that young people are interested in, or is it that young people aren't interested in much <laughs> that, that gets political, you know? Um, so, uh, so that's that's a question I, I I'm wondering about. Like, um, could politicians reach out to young people more and listen better to what the issues are? So I, I'm kind of curious about what some of the issues are that young people are bringing up here. Yeah, I think, Paul, I want to just dovetail on that because um, that I think it's really important for before I say anything, um, like what do you guys talk about right now when you have political discussions, especially with your peers? Um, because in classrooms, you know, like I can kind of drive the discussion as a teacher, but um, you yourselves when you're on social media or face-to-face -face discussions, what matters? Okay. Um, well, in my opinion, uh, yes, politicians could try and talk about more interesting topics to youth because we see that some politicians, such as uh, Democrat Bernie Sanders, a lot of youth are really uh, supportive of them, and some youth are not so supportive of other candidates because it really depends on what the candidates are talking about. Um, and 
the reason why we're, uh, we reach out to Bernie Sanders more is because our knowledge of um, what's going on is not as um, open as adults. Our perspective is different from people who have working jobs and people who uh, have to pay taxes and people who have to pay rents and stuff. Uh, we think more of the issues of our country and of our world and we think more about the future because that's that's what it is for us the future we are we are the future because when we grow up we're going to be the adults we're going to be voting later on but for adults and when I say adults I mean like people who have already graduated people who are working people who are paying for their own houses and stuff they think more about what is suitable for them and I'm not meaning this in a, an opinionated way, but that's wh I feel like that's why uh, more younger people, they are more open towards what Bernie Sanders has to say because his thoughts are more uh, about the future as well compared to, I guess, um, some of the Republicans who think more of, um, who think more of making sure that um, the higher class stay in their area and the lower class stay in their area. The Democrats think more of making sure everyone is equal, and I guess that's what young people uh, are more biased towards, I guess, but that's uh, just my opinion. I think that young people overall care more about uh, beliefs rather than parties. They care about what the politicians believe in rather than what party they support, because I know that I personally have never supported a particular party. I just go for the candidate that I feel like better supports my needs, so. So I hear a real openness of um, going ahead and taking a stand, like Veda went ahead and said, well, you know, for the most part, young people are more drawn or more supportive of one candidate versus another. Now, we see a reluctance in talking about politics. In fact, um, a lot of times, politics is a topic that is seen as um, taboo and something that, you know, to be polite, we should avoid um, as, as, like, illnesses and things like that, right? Um, so educators um, sometimes tend, they tend to shy away from such topics. Why do you think that is? And what types of resources might um, encourage reluctant educators to include this type of discussion, which Clearly here the young people have said, hey, you know, it's happening now and it's shaping our world. Um, we need to weigh in on this. But what kind of resources would make more educators involved into this discussion and actually get involved in this kind of a civic engagement to talk about the taboo topic of politics? Well, I guess, um, you know, one of the things I notice with my peers is that the election is still so far away that a lot of people aren't thinking about it as much or talking about it as much or turning it off. But I think within 30 days of an election, people start to get more keyed into it. So I think partly it's a function of time. It is still really far away. Um, and so, you know, I think that's important. But I think it's, it's really crucial for educators to give space to students to just learn about the issues because I see uh, some of my students get overwhelmed by the information overload, you know. And so I think allowing people to talk openly about questions they have in classrooms, it's not really a resource, but it's more like a, you know, an ethos, I guess. Um, but, and I did want to, while we were on the topic, though, because Paul was wondering, like, you know, what youth are talking about, I did kind of want to give a little more space maybe to the students before we move on 
like my two here, for example, um, like, you know, what kinds of things do you hear people talk about or what do you talk about with students? You two. Well, I notice um, that social media is just a major aspect with uh, candidates trying to post stuff and uh, have the resources where people can, like, learn more about them or have their political ads. Um, but, like, on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or anything, um, you see, like, an example would be, like, Donald Trump or Ted Cruz and Mark Rubio trying to go back and forth, and people are reading these and trying to understand what's going on. Uh, and I feel that the... You gotta make sure we gotta make sure that we look at all the aspects of it and uh, the arguments that the candidates are making in like the Republican and Democratic debates. So I feel that there needs to be just a more like in-depth look at all that is kind of going on. And as the kind of the when the two candidates are chosen. Uh, and as the election gets closer, I think more people will start to look deeper into what the candidates are talking about and what's going on. I agree with Foster with how social media is has been a great aspect in the whole presidential um, candidates and election um, because that's where I get a lot of my information and where my friends and I uh, begin our discussions. We might see something on Twitter like a meme of Donald Trump and um, Bernie Sanders and will like laugh about it say oh they stand for these issues let's look into a little bit more and we'll just like start to talk about it more um, that's how I see it being brought into my own discussion within my friends that's mostly how it begins um, and where it starts from. Yeah. And, so uh, do you think that might be oh sorry I, uh, I was just gonna ask, so do you think that might be a potential resource or you know something that um, educators who do want to start introducing politi politics in this kind of discussion in class is to really pay attention to social media, pull those cartoons, pull those memes, and really maybe have that as a jumping point and let the rest of the um, research and things like that stem from there. Yeah, I think that would be so cool because then the students make that connection like, hey, I saw this sort of thing back at home. Like, we, we do this kind of thing all the time. And also Mr. Sloan the other day had us look at the moments feature of Twitter. And so it's something that we regularly kind of check out. And so seeing that kind of thing in the classroom is cool too. And um, just to, I had a student analyze um, a KQED Do Now the, uh, today. So there was a do now, a KQED do now post that said, what would you ask a candidate in a presidential debate? So this is from students around the country. And, and listen to the disconnect, I think, between what politicians are talking about now and what youth are talking about. The top response was racism. Like that, the, they would ask questions about racism to our presidential candidates. The next one was prison reform. That would be the top question they would ask. And after that was... Uh, college tuition. Like those were the top three. And, and I think, you know, Bernie Sanders, maybe number three is a really big one, but students seem to be interested in, if you could use that as a read, using that social media platform as a read, it's like racism and prison reform are things that they are talking about, but the politicians don't seem to be talking about. And I'll hand it off to Foster now, because he mentioned the other day, you follow um, 
Snapchat? Like yeah. Media channels? Yeah, so the the new thing on Snapchat is like the Discover um, kind of section where you, like CNN, ESPN, or different kind of uh, companies put on uh, short little things that are about, I don't know, 10 seconds, a uh, few seconds long. Um, but uh, Wall Street Journal, I know, uh, CNN, and a few other news um, organizations put up a lot of actually kind of thought-provoking um, news kind of discussions and also lets uh, more things like be seen that I think reaches a wider audience where like you know sometimes it's like the parents are reading the paper but the kids don't really interact with that like having like a social media app that, that's super popular like Snapchat having these news outlets more available uh, kind of allows people like even if just like it's for a brief moment something that kind of catches your eye you kind of uh, if it interests you, like, look at it, and it's just something that's more easy to, like, it's more accessible. You can mute us. So I'd like to bring up something that isn't being talked about. And um, a major reason for a lot of people not voting is because they think they're uneducated in this sort of topic, so they don't want to go and make a sort of wrong vote kind of thing, or just who do I think is going to be cooler. But um, as we are seeing a rise of political views on social media, I think it's important to take in the fact that as these memes are spreading and things, um, they're being changed. So though they are becoming more popular, the information might not, as be, ac might not be as accurate. So as we take into account how these things can spread, we also need to make sure that we're getting the right things about Trump and Sanders and all these things in school, but you never really know how much is true, and then you hear it for some, from someone, and then you go and you just say it because you just assume that it's true. So if what sort of, what ways can we determine which information is right and which one's just a changed one? Um, well, I'd like to jump in. Um, I think that... Um, People who aren't as politically informed but still um, are kind of involved in the conversation, it's more about the, like, people who aren't really, um, they don't really know what's actually, like, the information. They more jump in on the popularity of the person. Um, so if generally a lot of people dislike Trump and his, um, his campaign, even though some of the some of his thoughts and um, things that he's uh, things that Sorry. he said, yeah, things that he said. Even though it may it may be um, correct and uh, it may actually be po uh, possible, um, people may like young people may dislike Trump out of the lack of information, out of not knowing what he's actually. Um, not not knowing what he's actually said, and more more people dislike him, so I guess I should as well. Um, and same thing for Bernie Sanders. Um, I've um, me and my um, dad we watched the Democratic debates together, and um, <clears throat> while he um, like I I've been listening to what Bernie Sanders has been saying, and I personally uh, agree with um, some of his some of the things, but other people may. Um, side with Bernie Sanders based off of popularity but not necessarily out of information. 
but that's more towards the people who aren't as politically informed and who haven't really got into what is being said at the debates. Um, adding on to that for a quick second, uh, recently I sent out an email poll to everybody at our New Tech School and basically what I asked is who would you vote for in the primary election? So we had uh, Donald Trump, uh, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, uh, Ben Carson, John Kasich, Hillary Clinton, and Bernie Sanders. And I got a lot of feedback, uh, including that um, a lot of people said that they were uninformed and that they didn't know the topics and they just went with who struck them as most appealing. And a uh, reminder, these are all high school students. And so I think that informing the public is really important because some people, I, I bet a lot of elections, a lot of people haven't known who, who the candidates are and what they stand for. And that's really important because they're going to be leading our nation for the next four years. So they really, really need to be the voice of our entire nation. So let's let's talk about that, about being informed, knowing which information is more reliable than others versus what may be popular or had, have, has been edited or changed um, due to the nature of uh, social media and things like that. Um, how can, this is a question from um, a tweeter, Danae Boyd, he's actually my co-teacher. Um, <laughs> how can teachers become experts on the issues? Um, and within the various point of views and platforms so we can help and encourage and assist our learners to feel um, like they do have more information and have information that they are armed with to make an educated vote. Can I, can I jump in with a bit of cynicism um, which is that <laughs> like I live in New York and my vote doesn't matter, right? Um, the Democrats going to win. And in many, many of the states, um, our votes don't matter, right? And I support Jill Stein. Nobody mentions Jill Stein from the Green Party, right? So, and, and to what degree can um, we start to reframe some of the conversations? So, and I, so I am trying to address the question so that we're not just reproducing CNN in our classrooms and, right? Um, so that we're really questioning, do we think the Electoral College is a good thing? Um, is that something we should oppose? You know, there was a, you know, Al Gore won the election, right? <laughs> he, he won the popular vote, and, but he was, not, he was never our president. So that's a crime in my view. So how do we get those sort of out-of-the-box questions into the conversation? That feels like that would make things a little more exciting in some way. Is that too much? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I think it's great. I think it just gives us something to chew on for a little bit. Don? Mm -hmm. Well, Paul sparked some thinking for me because my students that have been talking about the election started today to discuss what, what big issues are popular in social media and the news and what does that say about our cultural values in a country and what does that mean our issues are going to be in the foreseeable future and also um, what does that mean they're going to be wrestling with as soon as they're voting so well they're they're also trying to figure out candidates and those the issues and and how do I learn how to register to vote and all of those logistics, they're also really digging at the bigger questions of values, beliefs that are expressed in terms of the issues that are taken up. And it's, it's interesting. I, so I live near the greater Lansing area 
and we're about five miles away from Michigan State University. Bernie Sanders was here last week. I had students attend um, and visit there. But the other interesting side of that of it is we're about one hour away from Flint that has had a lot of um, press lately with the, the water crisis. And so issues of equity continue to come up. But what they but my students keep chewing on is what are the quotes that are coming out from candidates and what do those actually mean in terms of values? So if a certain candidate saying something, is that reflective of all Americans or not? How, do, how, do the, how does the world view us? Um, what does this mean in terms of what we need to continue to take up in terms of conversations and how we want to shape the world we live in? And um, I would add that um, it really starts, I think Dawn kind of hit on something when she mentioned that um, Flint is big to your students. One of the things I notice about my own population here is that uh, the environment is also a pretty big concern of a lot of students because we live in a mountain valley where we get really bad pollution. So like it's really beautiful around here, but it's, it's set so that it can be an inversion and a cold air just kind of stays in the valley warm air goes over and we're stuck with our pollution. And so I think, um, you know, advice to teachers is to begin with inquiry, you know, the students own questions like look around and what do you see what's wrong with your world and, and how can we go about fixing it I think is a good place to start. I think, I mean, I think that um, what Paul said too as far as um, Getting in those questions, those hard questions are really like reforming what is happening in our electoral process. I think the young people are seeing problems, for example, okay, we have two parties that we can usually go for. And I know that um, my colleagues and I have, I have had discussions during the primary um, and voting um, and how, hey, are you going to go here or here? And people can see it's just, it's, it's chaos. But I sense, and even in the KQED discussion um, about... Um, what what being politically active means to young people. I sense that there is this sort of um, unrest and things like that. And I'm wondering um, from our learners, what will you do with that? How do you make sense of that? Does it fit with also trying to figure out what this election will do and being active in getting positive results, even though you know you won't have immediate change for the reforms that you guys are seeing that need to be done. Does that make sense, guys? Yeah, go on. Um, can you repeat the question real quick? So it's like several, several questions, right? Like, first of all, I mean, we get a real sense that you guys understand that there are different issues that are important to you all versus the candidates. So how do you make sense of that, kind of like um, what Paul was saying, when you know that you may not, like he feels like he doesn't have any voice, right, because it's like this two-party system, and, you know, we heard from Ryan also that said, hey, you know, we don't really care about, you know, the parties, like we care what you, they stand for and, and all of this. How do you make sense um, and figure out how to balance reforms that you may want to happen in our electoral electoral process, but also kind of make sense and go forward with what's happening in the current election. Does that make sense to you all? It's like a two-part, three-part question maybe even.
Go ahead, Amelia. Um, I think the reason many high schoolers don't vote, once again, is because that they're uninformed. So all of these things that you talk about, that we hear the older people, I don't mean to say older people. <laughs> That's not what I meant. <laughs> Came out wrong. Okay. I'm but, right here. <laughs> sorry. Uh, the things that they talk about are things that we come, they come with experience. See, I did that better. Um, so as we get these, as we get more experience with these certain things, we learn things and therefore we'll have an opinion on them. But if we haven't gone through those certain things, like, you know how they say, um, don't make any decisions when you're a teenager? I think that sort of makes sense a little bit because, yes, it's our civic duty to pay attention to politics and, like, what they're saying, but if what they're saying does not um, directly, not directly, if what they're saying doesn't make sense to our generation in specific, then we have a civic duty to not make the mistake of voting for the wrong person because we're uninformed. Um, I think you mentioned something earlier. Um, I'm talking to the student who's with Janelle right now. Um, what's your name? Amelia. Amelia. Um, I think you mentioned earlier about um, sometimes people are afraid um, to say things because you might be uh, proven wrong, right? Is that fair to say? Like sometimes students are afraid to take a stand on a political issue because they may be shot down. Um, I'm kind of curious about on social media, I've read some things where it'll talk about how teens are sometimes reluctant to share their political views on social media because of that. Do you feel more uh, comfortable like with friends or social media platforms? Um, so this generation has a sort of, they're sort of influenced to go where the masses are. Like, this is this is not just politics. Like, they will generally rally behind people who have the same sort of opinions as they are. And so uh, the problem with social media is um, that you can sort of get bullied into something. Like, you can voice your opinion, but there are so many people with an opposing opinion that if you do post it on social media, that they would sort of attack you. So it makes sense that they're reluctant to um, go against the norm, um, especially if it's something that is a touchy subject like politics. So, I mean, it's one of the side effects of social media. So I don't, I don't really have a how to fix that sort of answer. What about what about um, in spaces like KQED and when we do the do nows? Um, do you guys feel that same sort of um, pressure to hide an informed opinion, or um, I don't know if you remember from last year, um, or do you guys feel like it's a safer place that norms have been set so they can you guys can have this discussion, you can agree? but discuss it without being shut down or bullied. Okay, so I think this is very important because 
Sorry. <laughs> With a platform like KQED, um, it's a requirement to research before you answer on a specific question. So all of the students that are on KQED who are responding to these do-nows and such, they are forced to be informed about the specific topic. So when you're... Um, like, people who go to KQED to answer those questions go there with a purpose. There's more of a direct, you need to answer this question, and it's okay if you have a different opinion because we need discussion about it. But social media isn't like that. Like, there's people who um, who will take a meme and change it because it's funnier, even though it's not accurate. Or th The audience is so much wider on social media that um, we can't guarantee the result, and and that makes it, the risk factor in that makes people less likely to voice their opinions. Can I ask a question? Amelia? Is it Amelia? I'm sorry, I'm saying your name. Amelia. Sorry. I have a name that everybody says wrong to you, so <laughs> you're saying sorry about that. Um, but I have a question. Do you think there would be more incentive for students to engage with each other um, in conversations on a platform like Do Now, if it were a closed environment, like let's say on Edmodo or some kind of protected um, collaborative um, environment online, versus taking that chance and going out on Twitter and potentially reaching a much larger audience with your opinion? Because I, I guess my question is always um, weighing the value of really being heard by a lot of people and having a big audience versus practicing first, you know, with a smaller community online where there's not that kind of exposure that you're talking about. So I guess my question to all of you, the learners, is where would you prefer to be practicing finding your political voice? In a closed environment or in a bigger social media environment? Um, I think it depends on the platform. Um, different kinds of social medias and pl platforms have different audiences. Um, and so um, a place like KQED, you, your audience wouldn't necessarily be un uneducated people because the people that, that go on KQED are all educated learners and facilitators. And we all uh, we know what we're um, talking about when we're talking about the politics. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Um, compared to like Twitter, where there's a lot of people who just see a meme of Donald Trump and his hair, and they they decide, yeah, that's obviously not going to be our leader, our president for the U.S. So um, I think it's um, it's better to start off with a smaller audience. Um, like the audience, like the number of people who have Twitter are met much, much more, and different kinds of people um, um, with different kinds of opinions and different kinds of perspectives on the politics, and also from different countries as well. Um, on KQED, it's all the same, like, not necessarily the exact same, but the same kind of um, minded people. So I guess um, if you want to discuss politics to a wider audience, I guess it would be better to start off at a smaller one. Um, like KQED, but at the same time, your feedback would be different on the different platforms. Um, on a place like Twitter, where there's a lot of opinionated people, they could give you uh, judgmental opinions on 
what you're saying, whereas on a platform like KQED, people would give you a more uh, knowledgeable, feed, uh, more knowledgeable opinions, um, and based on what they know and based on what you've said, you would get different responses on the different platforms. Uh, I think that, uh, th I think you're kind of uh, incorrect at a certain part because we we do tweet out with the do nows. We tweet out mm -hmm. hashtag do now politics, hashtag do now you grouse or whatever. And I think the difference is that that environment, with the specifically in the do now environment of Twitter, we see a lot more people who are there for educational purposes mm -hmm. rather than personal purposes. Uh, because if you're there for a personal reason, I think you're it's much easier for you to get offended or whatever. But in educational workplace, you're obviously trying to put out your opinion and uh, see what other people think. And I think that uh, KQED and the KQED section of Twitter uh, do that really nicely. Yeah, uh, what I'd, yeah, what I'd like to also say is um, when I say the audiences of Twitter, I mean like personal Twitter accounts, people who... Um, mm -hmm are like not necessarily their school Twitter accounts like on our, our KQED like school Twitter accounts all of the responses are from students and from people from the KQED website and so um, our feedback would be different on like different kinds of Twitter accounts if that makes sense. Yeah so it sounds to me like you guys are saying correct me if I'm wrong that you're pretty knowledgeable about your different audiences and different places and you kind of create different social media identities for yourselves based on who you're talking to. So like if you know that you're getting involved in a Do Now conversation, for example, with other students around the country, you use one Twitter handle that's just for those kinds of conversations. Whereas maybe if you're just tweeting about something you care about that's not inside the classroom, you would use your own personal Twitter accounts. Is that true that you kind of have multiple social media identities and you're negotiating which ones you use for what? Um, on uh, personally for me, I wouldn't uh, like I wouldn't mind um, sharing my political views on any of my social media, whether it's my personal or my school account. But I think the feedback that I would get would be different um, because um, like my my friends may not be uh, involved with my school Twitter account where I talk about KQED. But they be they may they may be involved with my personal one, and so even though I may not get their responses on my school one, I may get ones from my fellow classmates. I like my friends. I won't get their responses on my school one because we don't. Um, I'm more involved with the school. On my personal Twitter account, they may show their negative opinions or positive opinions. So it's not necessarily different identities, but it's more like followers, like. Um, your like the people like the people who see what you're posting is just that that's different. So your feedback would be different. Yeah, the the audience is definitely different because uh, well, you have different people retweeting or liking or whatever on your different social medias. Like we have KQED retweeting some of our two nows, but you wouldn't have any of, any of that on a personal Twitter. And yeah. Do the learners from Judge Memorial have any? Um, you yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So uh, I was wondering because you know, like the, both of these schools that we're talking to are people who make media a lot, and mm -hmm. so um, I was wondering if the process of making media 
enters into your um, political discussions with your peers or whatever? And if so, can you you know talk about some examples of maybe how that's happened? So, for example, these students here, Anna did, uh, and uh, both of you did a video piece, uh, are, are are doing one on poverty in our community and how to break. Um, well, they can talk about it better, but poverty in our community. Um, Foster did uh, a piece about um, you know ISIS and terrorism and that kind of thing. So. I know all of you, even in uh, in Texas, you're making media. So how does that, or does it, influence what you talk about and and how you talk about it? You guys can talk. Um, well, for an example, like on my uh, piece that I did on ISIS, the uh, doing the research and writing about that and doing interviews with uh, people in my school that uh, are Muslim and can talk about this. Um, made me feel like I had something more to discuss, and I was I knew what I was going to talk about. And having like and one of my friends that I talked to that I interviewed on the piece, she um, gave me a much more personal view uh, on that. And discussing like um, the Muslim aspect uh, that candidates are talking about, and just in our own world today. Uh, researching and making the media has made it more possible for me to have better conversations, I would say, with my peers. Yeah, I agree. Um, with my piece, our piece, uh, on poverty, youth in, in poverty, it required us to really look at our community. There was We wanted to uh, have bits at um, focusing it on national level and then community local level. And for the local level, I got to interview um, a student here, a judge, who had gone through poverty. And then I got to interview an investigative reporter at a local newspaper who informed me of statistics here in our own community about how poverty has affected youth and just um, everybody. Um, and so having this information that I wouldn't have gotten elsewhere if I, if I didn't have to have this assignment to, to look into it, then I wouldn't have been able to talk about it with my friends or just, um, I always talk to my mom about these things just so, uh, she's also kind of new to the community. She's an immigrant from Mexico, so um, everything that I learn, she learns too just because I always report back to her. And so that's um, really cool for me to be able to share that knowledge because even though we're living um, in this environment our whole lives, we still don't know everything. And so that's been a cool part about this whole media platform that we've gotten into with K K U E K something. K Q E D. K Q E D. <laughs> Since you guys are actually creating something and putting your name on it, does that make you feel more of a responsibility to represent like, you know, all of the information and things like that that you've done research through first hand interviews and things like that? Does that make you um, feel more responsible and indebted to get that story down right and um, actually get your research down since you're actually putting it in this media and putting your name on it? Um, I think that it does because uh, using my ISIS piece that I wrote again, it's when I was writing that article, it was I had to have the solid, the facts, making sure that I had what was real uh, down and not uh, making up, or not well, just not making stuff, but reporting stuff that was not true, and by having uh, 
done that research uh, and getting the better opinion and uh, perspective on it, I would say that it makes me want to do that more, and so I am more informed about things that I'm talking about or discussing with other people. And uh, also having like the personal uh, experience with my friend who is Muslim uh, gave me much like a closer to home kind of perspective as well. And so, yes. And how do you find those, like how did you guys come in contact with um, the people that you interviewed and things like that? Were there resources made available for you or did you guys seek them out on your own? Because I agree with you that that type of the contacts that, that networking would be important when doing research, um, but how how would we replicate that in other classrooms? The way I got my interviews, like the the girl who I interviewed from my own school, was just because I heard a part of her essay, her college essay. So that was just by chance, and I got well. She was my friend, and I think that's just part of our own school that work kind of a tight-knit community that we're all kind of, we all know each other, and so I've, I think that's part of it, and also just looking into um, uh, numerous resources and just seeing which people you can contact. We've had, we've had moms uh, from our classmates, like they, they work with people that are at bigger organizations, and we've gotten through contact with them that way. Yeah. Awesome. So maybe, you know, me talking to Mr. Sloan could get us some more contacts and vice versa. Right? So right. that would be good. Yeah. The networking between educators well, is going to be really important. Be talking to each other more. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And they can do that. Um, so, um, Annalise, um, we kind of talked about and we hear a lot from these learners that they have some ideas on you know, issues that touch them and get them engaged and um, various outlets and things like that. Um, did you, um, that really will have them, you know, voice off or things like that. But um, was there something in particular that you'd like to ask for them for um, particular input as far as uh, do now goes for future media makes? <coughs> Yeah, actually, my question is um, more about letters to the next president. And mm -hmm. um, I don't know how much you guys know about letters to the next president, but um, NW National Writing Project and KQED have been working with um, a lot of the educators on this Hangout to mobilize young people to express their views and what matters to them in the election. And we're trying to provide skills, tools, and a platform where young people can share um, their views and their thoughts. And one of the ways that we're trying to do that is um, a series of what we're calling media makes throughout the spring that are um, designed to give students more skills in different kinds of digital media storytelling so that when July comes after the conventions and we put out the call for letters, which are multimedia letters to the next president, you guys have had a chance to practice a lot of different ways of using media to make yourselves heard. So I just wanted to get your input. We only have a couple minutes, but I just wanted to hear your thoughts about the idea of what these media makes are focusing on. So real quick, 
the first media make um, this month is going to be around making short videos with your smartphones about big election issues that matter on the local level to you, like to you personally or in your community. So making really short videos about um, the local context around these big issues. That's one. The next one is going to be around making your own political art and using Instagram to share your own political art. And we will have some tips and inspi inspiring artists that have done really amazing political art. Um, the third one is using infographics, which is something I think um, Ms. Betz's students in particular have been amazing at, is using, making arguments with infographics. And then the last one is spoken word and like thinking about how you can create, use poetry and like create a spoken word letter to the next president. So those are our ideas and I'd love quick feedback and we can follow up offline too, but just wanted to get your thoughts on how you think students would respond to those media making prompts. Okay, so I think those are great. <laughs> I think I think it's great that we're doing infographics and um, poetry and all this because who wants to write an essay? But uh, the fact that these these are interactive and that that you can get feedback on them from other people makes it more appealing to at least me personally because. Um, I think it's interesting to debate because you get to see other people's perspectives and then you get to round your own opinion. But um, so I understand that these are going to be um, shared. Is that right? On KQED? Is that correct? Yeah. So um, are these going to be shared on like a KQED platform and then discussed upon, or are they? Is it like a competition? So. Um. They, it's going to be an open, uh, collaborative space that will provide for students to share their work. It's not a competition, it's, um, but it is a showcase. Um, I really like those ideas. I think they're uh, very interesting. I know we've done, we've had some experience. I know you talked about the infographics. I had never made an infographic before this year, and I learned a lot through a couple of uh, lectures and workshops, and I thought, uh, infographics are an interesting way of putting your ideas out there. Um, about videos, <laughs> I love making videos. Uh, I, I really, I really like it. And I really like the idea of doing it on your phone because that's a really accessible way to make quick videos about whatever you want, whether it be about politics or the letter to the next president. And then the spoken word. I know earlier in the year we did a project called the Poetry Slam, which is we made a we made a poem about a different kind of issue. Mine was poverty, and uh, it was really, really interesting because we got to hear all these different, different ideas and different uh, experiences, and we got to hear them from all of our uh, fellow freshmen, and it, it was really interesting. And I really like the idea of using that uh, to tell the next president, uh, or wish them luck, or give them advice, or just send a letter, I guess. Later, do you have anything? Um, well, I think that making media itself compared to, um, well, the poem would be a written response, but it's a creative way of saying it. Uh, creating those kind of things compared to just saying things can show a more visual 
uh, it's a better visual for um, people, um, and there are uh, different ways to get informed through um, things you can look at instead of things you have to read. Um, and I think that this could be a um, like making media can be a more effective way for people who are more visual learners, people who like to look at things and take in information, which is why infographics are so great because instead of reading a bunch of text, you can look at pictures and gain the information quicker. And with the poems, it's a creative way to say things compared to just stating it factually. You can write it in an artistic artistic way and make it sound um, like make it easier to understand when you're saying it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, media is super interesting, and uh, I think it's a great way to write a letter. Okay, I like that you have expanded onto Instagram. Uh, that's a social media platform that uh, I'm always looking to post like more informative things, but in a cool way, and being able to put some artwork right on. Caption. Yeah, the right caption and just Good the right angles, all that kind of thing. And so that's cool. I'll be I'll be doing that one. <laughs> yeah, that that sounds uh, actually really 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 cool. Um, uh, basically, what I said, you know, Instagram and uh, the other ways of reaching out to the uh, uh, reaching out to wider audiences, I think, is a great way to start uh, kind of just to reach to more people and uh, discuss more things. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Pause for. For a cool. Thank you so much, everybody. I know we're out of time, and I just want to say that you all have really inspired me throughout this conversation, um, the teachers and the learners. I just, uh, it's so great. I don't get a chance to hear directly from students that often in my cubicle here, so um, it's nice to know that there's this amazing crew of uh, future leaders out there making media and learning to find their political voice. You guys are amazing. All right, so um, I think we're pretty out of, pretty much out of time. So I do want to thank everyone um, for being here, um, and especially our guests, really the students and the teachers. Uh, it was great hearing from you all. Um, if you'd like to keep up to date on future opportunities, sign up for the monthly newsletter at educator innovator.org and follow Educator Innovator on Twitter at innovates underscore ed. And also don't forget to follow the two next prez, that's number two next prez hashtag on Twitter and um, visit letters to the next president uh, at letters to president.org. So again, thanks everyone. This was wonderful. I hope we keep this conversation going. Hang on.